And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney with the firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. You can learn more about us by going to maukbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call us at 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date on our show or visit our website to view our entire podcast library of previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews. Is there any way to revitalize and preserve the legacy and the finances of a declining or retiring church? Today, we will be speaking once again with Doug Morrow, the Executive Director of Baptist Foundation of Illinois, an organization that exists to help individuals, churches, associations, and institutions meet their charitable and financial goals. Their mission is to encourage believers to respond both individually and corporately to God's call of stewardship upon their lives. Doug, welcome back to the show. Rich, thanks so much. Always good to be with you, friend. Doug, that introduction really doesn't cover all of that what of what you're doing. Um, today's show, we're really focusing on on churches that are in decline and what. Uh, our stewardship responsibilities, and, and what can we do in that situation uh, to continue and further the kingdom of God? So I, I want to just step back. In our last segment that we talked about, we talked about generosity, which is a characteristic of God and, and something that Christians should be involved in and, and thinking of how they use their resources, um, their finances, and everything else in ways of uh, being generous and in ways of serving the kingdom. So our topic today is specifically with regard to uh, what you and your organization, uh, uh, Baptist Foundation of Illinois, is doing with with churches who are in decline and how you're working with them uh, for kingdom purposes. Give us a little background on what you're doing. Sure. Well, the, the very first part, the very first thing that needs to be done is to understand exactly at what stage the church finds itself uh, to, to do some real honest soul searching because what, what occurs is that once a church moves past a certain wave crest uh, of, of, of strength and coordination, um, uh, it, it, may, it may be that the remaining five or six or ten or twelve, whatever that happens to be, no longer has either the, the heart or the energy or the financial strength or whatever that may be to go forward, and thus they can figure out, okay, one way or the other, this organization is going to continue to, 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 to devolve to the place of, of, of dissolution. Uh, well, let me ask you about, uh, some positive choices they have. Uh, well, Doug, even before we get to that point, sure. I believe that every church goes through cycles, and there's a, the cycles of ascendancy, and then there's the beginning signs of decline, 
And those signs can either be reversed or they'll continue. And as they continue, they accelerate. At, at least that's my experience and that's my, my hope with uh, many of the churches that we're working with. So I think you're right that, that there's a, a lot of very serious soul searching that has to take place. Um, and I think every church at some point begins to face decline. So yeah, yes, are you... But, no, it's, it's, very, it's very helpful to, to recognize, this is something, uh, a bit of wisdom that, that I had gotten a number of years ago about this particular area. It's wonderful to, to realize for just a moment that the greatest church planter ever known anywhere was undoubtedly the Apostle Paul. Absolutely. And yet, we do not have a single church that he planted still in existence. And yet the very fact that we're here calling ourselves followers of Jesus is very much a direct testimony of his effectiveness in planting the church. And so when you begin to realize that, you realize that, wait a second, there are some, some instances in which uh, for a church to get to a place of extremists, it no longer can put together teachers to do a vacation Bible school. They, uh, the, the community is totally Hispanic now, and there are no Spanish speakers in the group, and, and all the other things that can happen, or they've simply run out of money, whatever it happens to be. One of the most helpful things that they can realize is to recognize that, wait a second, the kingdom is perhaps a bit larger than our local chapter. And that gives them, I think, a sense of hope and a sense of purpose and a sense of, uh, wait a second, we were faithful during the season and generation. We were called to be faithful in and, and, uh, in, and by choosing some positive choices, and, and that's, I know where you want to go next, we can continue to have some forward impact. But, but, but just coming to the place in which you realize this church, this local church may be ready to dissolve, may not be the failure that many others perceive it to be. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker with the law firm of Malkin Baker. Today I'm speaking with Doug Morrow of the Baptist Foundation of Illinois about revitalizing churches in decline. Uh, Doug, you're, you're um, touching at the heart of uh, my practice, actually, and working with many, many churches in the different uh, stages that they're in and in all the hoopla and regulations they have to go through and everything. Tell us about a couple real-life cases that you're working with or have worked with in terms of churches finding themselves in decline. And, and what's the positive message? What have you seen and what, are, what is your organization doing uh, with those sure. churches? Sure. Well, let's, let's talk about what the goals are of the program very quickly, and then we can talk about some examples okay. where this has actually occurred. Uh, first off, we believe that for a church to simply close its doors or to send a check to XYZ down the road and be dissolved, or even to merge with uh, and lose identity, we believe that's wrong. Uh, we believe that it's very appropriate that whenever you cross the Jordan at the Gilgal, you ought to erect some memory stones. Uh, you ought to have some way to recognize what God has done and celebrate his faithfulness through people that have come to him, through people that have been called to ministry, through all the things that that church has done. And, and we believe it's absolutely appropriate to say, hey, wait a second, this is a, this is a, this is a moment in which we need to recognize the faithfulness of the Father here in this local church. 
Well, let me, let me stop you. Let yeah. me stop you right yeah. there for a second. Um, sure. And and I can see by your passion how how deeply you're involved in this. I'm involved with uh, four cases right now. Three of them are mergers, and one of them is a case where they're uh, simply dissolving the church after many many years um, and distributing the assets to other charities. Um, and I don't see a merger necessarily as as not a good thing. Uh, so I'm interested when you say merger, because I um, tell me more what sure. your thinking is on that. Well, what, what, I, what I mean is, is, is a merger without memory is okay. wrong. Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, so that, for instance, they may merge, but I guarantee you, two years after the merger, the stronger partner has, has overtaken the culture of, of, of the weaker partner, and, and, and the weaker partner has no testimony to what God has done in its midst. And, 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 and so, I find that over, it's like, it's, some, it's like a marriage in a way, but um, you're right. Uh, and it can create great difficulty in the new merged entity, uh, that, particularly that with the old. And, and so if you do bring in legacy, as you're talking about, um, that is one of the ways that you, you uh, deal with the, potential problems coming up. Um, mm -hmm. When I work with my clients, I'm very careful on this question. Well, who's going to be in leadership? What's it going to look like? Have you worked out your statement of faith? Uh, are both parties in line? What are you, And then the big question that I ask, and you're really touching on it, is what are your members, where are they going? Are they going to stay here? Sure. Have you provided for them? And what are they thinking about this merger? Because you're right. Uh, one of the cultures is going to dominate within two years, and generally it's the it's the merged culture coming in because they're the ones that have life, and the merger is happening because uh, one of the one of the church cultures is dying. That's right. That's exactly right. So, so, so the very first part of what we do is to recognize what the Lord has done and to build a a a, a fund. Uh, uh, for the the assets of that 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 church that is in decline, ready to dissolve, or in this case, merge. And by doing so, we name the organizations that are to be supported in the name of that former church. And just a week ago, we sent a whole lot of checks to organizations, and we said, this is in the name of the St. Elmo Baptist Church, or this is in the name of the Eagle Summit Baptist Church. Even though those churches have closed their doors, those ministries are continuing to have initial impact they would not have over a long period of time. So the first thing we do is preserve the legacy. The second thing we do is give those assets ongoing ministry as well. And then uh, the third thing we do, and this is the, really the, 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 the three goals we try to hit, the, the third thing we do is we try to establish a new church proper or a new church at that property so that church assets are retained. Coming up, we will talk further with Doug Morrow, Executive Director of the Baptist Foundation of Illinois, about their church legacy program and how it is bringing new life to churches in decline. I'm Rich Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
In the wide, confusing world of law and lawyers, it's tough to find someone you can trust that shares your Christian values for legal advice and representation. You can trust Mauk and Baker, a Christian law firm based in Chicago that serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal matters. They seek to represent clients like you with integrity and care by using biblical principles as the foundation of their work. Additionally, their monthly newsletter highlights what's current in the religious liberty arena, keeping you informed on your right to worship, whether that's on the street, in public school, or within the walls of your church. Subscribe to their newsletter at maukbaker.com slash newsletter. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R dot com slash newsletter. If you have a legal need or question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact Mauk and Baker at 312-726-1243. Call and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. That's 312-726-1243. 43. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, partner with the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Doug Morrow, executive director of the Baptist Foundation of Illinois, about how they are helping churches in extreme financial situations. I suppose to put it another way, how churches that are in decline uh, can, can continue their ministry and be a blessing for the kingdom. Uh, Doug, let's go into... Um, the Baptist Foundation of Illinois. How do you get involved with churches, or how do how do declining churches uh, get involved with you? I suppose is the way to ask the question. Sure. About five years ago now, I guess it's been we started this particular division of the ministry. Uh, you, you've already shared, you know, our, our general uh, mission around stewardship and, and helping people be the best stewards that they believe God's called them to be. But about five years ago, we added this division, which is called the Church Legacy Program. And it really does focus on a way for um, the church that, that, that is in decline, that does not look like it's going to be reversible uh, through, through, through any means that they can see, to be able to have not only a preservation of what God has done and a celebration of what God's done, but to preserve those assets. And then thirdly, be able to say, particularly if they own physical property, and obviously not every church does, but most do, to preserve that physical property and to help facilitate another church being planted in that location. You're singing um, my song. Yeah, well, in fact, we've, we've now worked with 24 churches in the five-year period, Rich, and uh, of those, 19 have been repurposed and replanted. So of those three goals, we hit the first two of them in all 24, but we hit all three of them in 19 out of the 24. We're well, there, let's, and, and, and so we have a viable church going in that location now. Let's stop before we go on, because I'd actually like to talk about some of those cases. But um, if, if, if people don't work with you or with an organization like you in in the period of decline, what are the kind of pitfalls that they can fall into? Yeah, there, there, there really are several. And, and I, ha- I have to be, I have to be very, um, uh, you know, I, I, I want to be kind when I say this, but I also want to be very direct. Oftentimes, and not always, uh, you know, so, so, so there may be somebody out there that, that hears this, and, and please understand that there are exceptions, but, but, but looking over the landscape, what you would see is that when a church gets down to um, 
uh, low numbers, very low numbers, not able to be sustainable, all of that, there's oftentimes some unhealth that creeps into the congregation. You have people that, were, that, that are much more interested in exerting personal control rather and, and being interested more in their view of the kingdom of God instead of understanding the kingdom is a little bit larger than, 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 than their uh, small, smaller perception. And then you sometimes have people that are um, what, what I call have some difficulties of a theology of place. Uh, they forget that, uh, kind of like Jonah, they, they, they really think that God's pretty limited in, in, in his scope. And so they think that God can only be relevant in, in, in their particular context. Well, when those kind of things seep in psychologically, the church is rife for all kinds of bad things to occur. If it's a congregational leadership, they can bring in two or three people and they can vote the church one way or the other and change the constitution and, and, and all kinds of, of, of unfortunate um, uh, uh, manipulative actions can occur the smaller the number gets, if that makes sense. Um, Doug, you're, you're saying it very kindly. I'm actually working particularly with a case now and our firm has dealt with many church splits, and a lot of times, at least in some situations, it's actually the leadership that sort of wants to uh, continue after they're no longer able to lead. And, and this is their legacy, and this is sort of their retirement. Um, and so they keep going, uh, even though it is time for them no longer to go. So I, I'm really tracking with what you're saying, and it can wreak havoc on the remaining congregation. Right, and, and not only does it does it play havoc on the remaining congregation, but think of the black eye that it gives to the larger kingdom uh, uh, for people in the community to observe that kind of contentiousness absolutely. and fractions, and absolutely. to realize if 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 this is the witness of the kingdom of God, they don't want to have anything to do with that. I always say that uh, when the Christians fight, it's Jesus who gets the black eye, and I think you're absolutely oh, my right. That's absolutely yeah, that's correct. That's exactly right. And so what we do in the midst of that, if a church can realize, wait a second, this is probably going to end in dissolution one way or the other, um, we recognize that, wait a second, if we can begin to work with a church early enough, we can provide some pastoral care to them and to help them make that uh, transition with some positive choices rather than being backed into a wall where there are no positive choices. And uh, when they'll do that proactively, they can realize that, wait a second, uh, years after our, um, our, our, our church has closed its doors, it's not only having forward ministry, but it's also being able to be utilized these resources for a vibrant church to be planted in its stead. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker of law firm of Malkin Baker. And I'm speaking with Doug Morrow, Executive Director of Baptist Foundation of Illinois. So, Doug, who do you work with? What, what churches uh, are within your jurisdiction, and, and how does it work? We, we work, uh, obviously, primarily with, with Illinois Baptists. Those are a, a Southern Baptist uh, group uh, within our state. There are about 1,000 uh, Illinois Baptist churches. I think that's the largest Protestant denomination. Uh, that said, we have worked with uh, some other Protestant denominations. 
Uh, I can give you two or three co communities where, where that's been the case, and they recognize that there is some, some value in doing this. Um, like I said, we've probably worked with about 24 churches in the last five years, and uh, you know there are some certainly within the Chicago metro area, but they are extremely diverse. They may be urban uh, uh, churches, and sometimes they are very suburban. In fact, uh, as I speak, you can't see this, but, but as I speak to you, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of a church that was quite literally in a cornfield, and everybody moved to town. And so they, 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 they went into the legacy program. So we work with an extraordinarily broad variety of cultural context uh, in churches from across the state. You know, you, you say that, and, and I do a lot of zoning for churches. And one of the, I'm always sad when a church is sold and uh, it, it becomes a property for a restaurant or a museum or something like that. I, I feel like the kingdom is losing real estate. And it's so hard to get that real estate back. That um, right. your, your program is vital because uh, a major part of what you're doing is taking and repurposing that uh, church building so that a new congregation comes in uh, into the community and is is uh, bringing the gospel to that community on an ongoing basis. Uh, can you give us some examples of the kinds of uh, situations you've been in where that's happened? Sure. Well, let's just talk about, for instance, the the old Lamont Avenue Baptist Church, which is on Wrightwood. Uh, not not too awful far from from where you're at, and 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 your firm uh, was involved in that, and and you were just a, a heroic partner throughout throughout all of that. Uh, but basically, uh, that church had got to a place in which uh, it was composed of a few uh, more elderly Anglo's in a community that was 80% Hispanic. And uh, as anyone knows anything about Chicago, they 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 know that that if you don't 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 like the neighborhood you're in, just wait a little bit, it'll change. And uh, so so they found themselves in a changing neighborhood, but were no longer meeting or or, or working with the, the the changing neighborhood. So they went into the church legacy program, and we preserved those assets, and we created a legacy fund for them. In fact, they support not only church planting, replanting in that, in that area, their, their, their monies do, but even a local favorite for them was Pacific Garden Mission, for instance, and, and they're able to support that on an ongoing basis. Now, that's been two or three years ago now, and so we transferred the property to Baptist Foundation. Obviously, it's a charity to charity. In fact, it's an intra-church transfer because of the Baptist nature, the denominational nature of it. And so we were able to preserve everything from real estate tax exemption to, you know, to, to all of those kind of things that were important. And then uh, two years ago, I sold that property uh, for a very good deal that a young church plant could never afford any other way to a second generation Spanish church, Hispanic church. And it is doing very well. Starting Point Church is uh, in the northwest of Chicago. So there, there's an example not very far from your offices, Rich, where, where um, we were able to hit all three of those goals, preserve the legacy, secure and preserve the assets, and see a new church plant that is relevant to the, to the cultural context planted and bloom in its place. Doug, thanks for speaking with us today. 
How can uh, people find out more about Church Legacy Program and get in touch with you with regard to that if they need some help? Sure, there's a couple of different ways. Number one, we're always delighted for people just to call us directly but uh, uh, or, or email either one. But uh, honestly, the best place, maybe the most memorable place to reach us is through our website, Baptist Foundation IL for Illinois, baptistfoundationil.org. Uh, that's probably the easiest, quickest way to reach out to us. Thanks, Doug. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.